You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. <coughs> Hello. <laughs> it's one of those shows where Sid Talk has uh, got a cold. So Correct. She may cough. I may cough, and it may sound really weird, so unlike me, I will defer a lot of the talking. I thought you were saying, unlike you. Like, go on wherever and unlike you. No, don't you unlike cough. me, but it's unlike me to say <laughs> that I will let you do most of the talking, or we will be very heavily full of coughing, or there the sound of me suppressing coughs. There won't be any coughing from me. I, re- <clears throat> I will give you the ace promise. For no two coffee. days, I can guarantee you in two days you'll be coughing. Because <laughs> I'm sure I've shared my germs with you. But this is not a medical show. It is not. It's a movie podcast. So this is the After the Show podcast. We're a movie review podcast. We review movies. We're a husband and wife team. We do movie reviews this week. It is After the Show number 508. And it is Saturday, December the 2nd. This movie we're looking at this week is Logan Lucky. It's a 2017 movie released on Blu-ray on November the 28th, so you can pick this up now. It's rated R, and uh, it's from our friends at Universal. And Sid Talk will give you the non-cough version no. of the synopsis. You can give the synopsis to this one. Synopsis is, this is a uh, Steven Soderbergh heist movie, but with a, with a little twist on his normal heist movies. It is not in the wonderful Vegas glamour. It's more of a redneck heist story. Hmm, redneck. Charming. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call it that, but I'm sure some people have. But That's what seems, I call it. It seems really rude. Redneck heist <clears throat> story. Uh, the Versus the high glamour of New York heist. So there's one. Co- no, one Las, Las Vegas, uh, the other ones. You said glamorous. Yeah. All right. Why use redneck? Because these guys, you know, they're pretty clever. The uh, tagline for this movie is, see how the, how the other half steals. There you go. So, um, yeah, Logan Lucky. So, Sid Talk probably didn't know much about Logan Lucky. Nope. And now, give us your short... <laughs> what you thought free. of Logan Lucky. <clears throat> I enjoyed it. I had a lot of laughs. I was interested. I liked almost all the characters. In the end, though, to me, it's very average. Maybe just above average as far as, like, quality and story. I mean, it's pretty same kind of story as you get with most people involved in heist, you know. And then yeah. tell they tell you the story of how they're going to do the heist. They remind you of all the obstacles in the way. And then they show you how they get past them all. And then there's always a little bit of a, like, oh, what was someone doing behind the scenes? And then we get a little montage of that. I mean, it's it's not rocket science here that they're trying to uh, infuse into the cinema. <laughs> it's very standard, but it's fun and it looks nice. Are you saying it's a bit like the Ocean's movies in its setup? Absolutely, 100%. It is the Ocean's movie, but with different people. It's really, really the same. There's no... I mean, if you want to say, well, someone has a bit of a moral tag that they've stuck in there. Not really. I mean, come on. Criminals are criminals. Yeah. You're supposed to root for them to get caught or root for them to get away. 
That's, those are your only two options, or you don't give a shit. So now these I did care about. I liked them all. I was interested. But you can't tell a story these days, really. Or, you know, all stories that we do watch, the criminals, there's only two options. Well, three, I guess. You could die in the commission of your crime. You get away with it. Which we all grapple with a little bit. Because it's like, eh, but then, you know, what if I robbed a bank? Or they get caught. And you're like, oh, no, not the hero. He can't go to prison. But True. So, um... What I thought about Logan Lucky, and these were the uh, things, I would have wrote them down if I uh, was watching this and needed to write them down. <laughs> but what I thought was, is expertly made, like it's, uh, it feels really p- well put together. It's a good script, and it's a good, you know me, heist movies are one of my favorite yep. types of movies. I like zombies, you like heists. And I haven't seen this kind of heist <laughs> before. It is a different, it was a slightly How is it different? Involves Nazca. Yeah, but that's just the different facade on the place that they're heisting. So it's yeah. not different. Um, and it involves... Well, I won't, don't want to spoil that, but the way the money yeah. is transferred is quite interesting to me. And realistic. Um, so, yeah, I like that. Now, what I did think about this movie as I was watching it. One, while the characters are all slightly amped up versions of people, they're a caricature type types... Almost like Fargo. It reminded me a lot of Fargo, to be honest, like the TV show. Everybody's kind of a larger-than-life kind of person, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it also had the kind of feel of Fargo to me. There was a lot of times where it reminded me of it, the TV show. Um, but a lot of the situations felt really realistic, like the way people talk to each other and the kind of people that you see are just average people. If you get what I'm saying. Yep. They're not like... It's not George Clooney in his like Armani suit wandering around. It's, you know, Adam Driver's character. Or, or for instance, Channing Tatum's character, who just feels like a real person to me. Um, You know, Channing Tatum feels like a real person more than Adam Driver. Adam Driver seemed a bit... Because he has a prosthetic arm. And it's kind of... They kind of ham it up a bit. So, yeah, I feel like they're they're like... Real people, but amped up a bit. But they're a bit more real than most people you see in movies. Because they are... Especially like like the Ford dealership guy. Do you know that guy? Absolutely. Those feel like real people. <laughs> I just experienced that this week. Yeah, the, those feel like just a guy who you meet in the Ford dealership. It doesn't feel like an actor or a comedian or anything. like. So I like that about it. I like the heist itself. It's really interesting. I didn't... It. I don't think there's any surprises so much in the heist. No. I mean, there is a moment towards the end where they kind of do a reveal. They show you some parts of the heist that you didn't see originally that kind of change it a little bit. I think that's a bit of a cop-out anyway. But that's the thing that a lot of heist movies do. They show you the heist, and then you think the heist went one way, and then they show you some other details towards the end, and then you go, oh, Killing Zoe is a good example. Um, So, I don't think it was surprising in any way, but and I don't think it was hilarious either. <laughs> no. It had some laughs along the way, though. Some really funny character moments. But like I said to you, it's a really low-key movie. It feels low-key the entire time. Nobody's like... It's not trying to be flashy. And it's not trying to be, like, overly funny. It's not trying to be overly action-packed like a, like an action movie. It's just really low-key. It just... 
I don't know. That makes it sound crap. <laughs> but it's not bad at all. I really, really enjoyed it because I love a heist movie. It's just, um, it's a funny one. It's, you know, Steven Soderbergh's movies are generally low key, though. If you think about it, he does play his movies <coughs> that way. In fact, most things that you've seen, including Aaron Brockovich, it's not exactly high action or glamour no. or anything, is it? It's just like an average tension movie. and story and yeah, <coughs> yeah. So um, that's just his style, and I did enjoy this a lot. Um, mainly down to like seeing some actors in totally like different roles to what I normally see them in. Um, you know, and we'll yeah. get to that in the cast. But um, as a heist movie, it's quite fun. And I was just going to say, why is it R-rated? Because there's not really anything... There's no killing. Think about it. No. It's actually quite inoffensive, to be honest. There might be some swearing. But I'm actually thinking back. I don't even remember anybody swearing. Isn't that weird? It doesn't feel like an R-rated movie, right? Well, those parents were talking about Rihanna's vagina, or Beyonce's vagina. Yeah, but also, the kids were also talking about <laughs> That's that. what I'm saying. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. In that scene, so. That's about as offensive as it gets, though. I mean, it's there's no killing. There's even a prison riot that's Well, see, that's kind of violent. Kind of looks first. like a play-acting play prison riot. It's not like a violent prison riot, really. It's just some, like... <clears throat> You know, fake punches being thrown and stuff. Yeah, but it, they were still punching prison guards, which is yeah. not acceptable. But as far as I can... You know, it's not like a Tarantino movie or anything like that. It's not what blood. It is. There's no blood. There actually is no blood that I can remember. <coughs> so, um, yeah, it's a strange movie in that way. Almost could be a PG-13. But um, the humour is... Uh, there is humour. But it's not... Played like something like like Far- it Actually, that's where it reminds me of Fargo again. Fargo has a lot of humor, right? There's loads of humor, but it's not like laugh out loud humor. It's just there's occasionally funny things that people say. This movie takes that exact same, you know, yeah. track <coughs> with people. It's really what people say. That little the little girl, what she says is funny. Some of the Adam Driver stuff is really funny unintentionally funny sometimes. I mean, it's a bit insulting, to be honest. Some of the uh, caricaturization of these rural people. (laughs) Since I am a rural person, I'm around people often who might have a bit of this characteristic. This is definitely a comic book version. You think those those rural people would like this movie? I don't know. I can't speak for them all. But I would say that the two brothers and the other brother and the guy in prison and even our main guy, they all are very stereotypical, amped up. There's like the humble guy who just wants to be do right by his family, but he's a little bit like, duh. And then there's the tough guy in jail who, you know, you can't look at him wrong without him getting pissed off with you, but he's got the two actual hillbilly brothers that when you find them they are picking pig's feet out of buckets with their faces at the fair and they dress like joe dirt and they talk like (laughs) joe dirt and that's what i'm saying is that those are all there isn't one person and then the wives and the women the sister is an amped up 
you know, I do hair. And so they put her in super tight clothes, all colorful, big fingernails, uh, really short skirts. But she knows everything about cars. I'm just saying, though, they've compiled people to be not a comfortable reality of people. But the dialogue, like you said earlier, does come off pretty natural to me most of the time. That's what I really like. But the characters themselves, it's like a city boy. Or woman. I don't know who wrote the play, the actual script. I think it was a woman. A woman and him. Yeah. Have taken little snapshots. And well, <clears throat> most movies do have to be a caricature of a person. You don't have all, you don't have a lifetime to tell a person's story. It was just on that far side of it. You know, the ex-wife is this amped up, married a rich guy who sells cars. And now her daughter's in all the pageants and she's a real bitch. And then, you know. Then the cop, even FBI woman, is like this tough, talks like this. Kind yeah, of sounds like I talk <laughs> today, like she's trying to be Clint Eastwood. Fair play, she was in a movie with him. But <laughs> all of those things are just like you're not a person, you know. They they rounded a few people into a good character, but that slap in the face of like, whoa! I could think that you'd be like, why are you acting like all people who live in a small town are idiots? Right. Um. Yeah, and if you only watched movies, you would actually think that, right? <laughs> if you've never been to the country? <laughs> if you've never been to the country in America, and you um, only watched movies, I I believe that's the only way those people are portrayed. Always. Pretty Not much. always. I mean, Hell or High Water, they weren't like that. They were rural people, and they weren't like that at all. Yeah, they were I just guess, reasonable human beings. I guess there are some exceptions. We just watched Wind River. Those are all rural people. I mean, with... In fact, the city men were the ones who were the most horrible coming to the rural area, to the reservation. So you have seen it referenced a lot of times, but that's the thing. If you don't notice a an over-the-topness about them, then it doesn't stand out to you like this person's being made fun of or standing out to me for some horrible reason. And then you associate it with a thing. Oh, it's an African-American. Oh, it's a country person. Oh, it's a city guy. Like a snotty rich guy, or it's a this, or it's a, a person from an Asian country, or it's an, you know, a person from India, or a person from Canada, even though if you can make fun of somebody and it jumps out at you. Yeah. As if that's their defining characteristic. That's yeah. when it's like, uh, can you just really? Because, you know, if you're making a wacky comedy, I get it. And if you make fun of everybody, I get it. But this isn't real. I mean, this is semi wacky at times, yeah. I guess. It's not as wacky as some, you know, it's not wacky, like no. a Joe Dirt or something. It's more, you know, subtle humor, I think. Sometimes, yeah. Now, what I do like is Steven Soderbergh's, the way he puts movies together, it, um, is a very good flow to it. Like, everything, like, scenes don't drag. He uh, edits really well. Like, everything really fits together. Like, you're never, you're never kind of watching it. And a heist sometimes can be super complicated. And this one is fairly complicated. There are lots of moving parts, lots of different people who have to do different things to set up this heist. But you, when you watch the way Steven Soderbergh does it, it's not like, oh, I'm lost. Who's that guy? I don't know what, what that's happening there. You know, the montages like fill us in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there is montage stuff as it goes into the heist itself. But it's less montage, more like you just see him from all these different perspectives, like all the different people. It's not like... Music and a montage. But he does revert to music and a montage when it's the big reveal part at the <clears> end where where they play um 
the Creedence Clearwater Revival song and kind of show you what yep. they what they believed is the twist. Also, that very, very end shot, the very, very last shot, which I won't spoil, but you will know what I'm talking about. And if you've seen the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. They played that as though that was a big reveal, but it's quite clear what was happening. I know. And quite That's clear really who, weird. Quite clear who that person was because... Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't that weird. It was played as though you were supposed to go, oh, dang. But, but there's no way you could have done that unless you weren't paying attention at all. So I don't get that part uh, at all. And almost, did you have the right slight inkling that they were kind of playing that ending there to be yes. another one of these? Yes. Yeah, me too. Almost like yep. the adventures of the James Bond character guy <laughs> or something. You know, like like it, it goes off... Because and it even says in the credits, introducing Daniel Craig <laughs> as Joe Bang. So, don't know if that means we're introducing the character of Joe Bang because we're going to use him again at some point. Are they just being funny? Oh, they're just being funny. So, um, moving on to the cast here, uh, Channing Tatum plays Jimmy Logan, and you know Channing Tatum, Tatum has been in uh, Magic Mike, which was a Steven Soderbergh film, played a male stripper. Um, and he usually plays comedic roles, 21 Jump Street. Um, but what I have seen him in where he does dramatic roles is The Foxcatcher with Steve Carell, and he played the wrestler guy. And he was fantastic in that movie. It was really good. And I actually thought he was really good in this movie, too. Like, I buy him as just an everyday guy. Like, Yeah. It really... Like, I mean, he's... He's like a heartthrob kind of guy in real life. like, But in this, he plays all that down completely. And he's just a guy. Like He's just a guy. He wears a Lowe's uniform at one point. He's, he's just a bit broody. Like, oh, poor him. All these choices he's made has left him in this situation. But, oh, look how humble and but that's the courageous character. he is. I mean, that's not Channing Tatum. That's, no. <laughs> he's playing this guy. This yeah. So, no, I think Jim uh, Channing Tatum, I'd like to see... This is a more dramatic role than it is a comedy role for his specific character. Because he's not really funny. Um, he's not that guy. He's more, <laughs> no. Um, and then his brother is played by Adam Driver. A.K.A. Hot, A.K.A. Kylo Ren. <laughs> I can't get Kylo Ren out of my head at all now with, with Adam Driver. It will always. It's never going to go away now, is it? And especially now in The Last Jedi that he doesn't wear his helmet anymore. He's decided to show his face all the time. He's just Kylo Ren. But what did you think of Adam, what did you think of Adam Driver in this movie? It was good, but he did that thing where it was just a little bit further. The now, accent? there are people like him. Quiet, heavy accent, a little bit stilted in the way they speak. Obviously, with a little bit of something going on where, you know, he's a conspiracy theorist type of guy. However, when you take individual elements of that person's character and then put it on an actor who then cranks each one of those up, it just seems a little bit like, oh, he's talking a little bit too slow and a little bit too stilted and he's staring a little bit too long because it's not exactly flowing like nature. There are moments when it's really good, but the rest of the time I was like, uh, you know, smooth it out, smooth it out. Yeah, he <clears throat> he definitely comes across more of a caricature than his brother does because, you know, he's lost his arm. That that kind of adds this kind of quirk to it. Yeah. 
But then the all, armless bar, the one arm bartender. Yeah, the one arm <laughs> bartender. That makes it feel a bit yeah uh, odd. And then the um, the accent is a little bit over, over the top. I, I mean, it isn't because people do talk that way. Yeah. However, when an actor that you know doesn't speak that way does it, and he's doing it very intentionally instead of like just like Daniel Craig, it's not natural, so it didn't seem right. He didn't let it just come out of his mouth. It was like he was very aware of it at all times. Yeah. It makes you feel like, oh, they're faking it, you know? Just like when you hear a British accent that isn't quite right, but I might go, ah, it doesn't sound any different to me. It sounds fine. But you're like, yeah, but. Yeah, definitely. The, the intonation and the too long a pause. Or- it's the opposite way for me. Like um, in a movie like this where Daniel Craig, who's clearly a British man, is not a British man, um, for me, I... It's fine. <laughs> like, like I... Yeah, but to me, it's like, oh, he's just trying too even hard. Though, yeah, even though I'm not used to that coming out of Daniel Craig's mouth, I still buy it because I'm not tuned into the <laughs> accents as well. It just right. sounds like an accent to me that's fine. So it's the same with you. You'll watch American actors trying to be British. Correct. And you'll be like, oh, they're fine. It sounded And fine. I'll be like, well, no, that sounds like Welsh. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, it all sounds the same. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just a... Uh, you know, your ears and your brain are trained a certain way, so it's a little hard sometimes to get over it, but I still like him, this guy, Kylo Ren. Yeah, Kylo Ren, very good. So Riley Keough plays Melly Logan. She's the sister, and um, she we know her from American Honey, which she was excellent in, I must add. One of my fa- well, actually, my favorite film of last year, American Honey. Um, she's also in a bunch of new movies coming up. What do you think of her? Yeah, I liked her a lot. I think she was about my favorite thing because while they've done her up in the tight clothes and the wild pink and the long fingernails and she's the hairdressing aunt who comes to save the day with the hair and the makeup and all that and she's real headstrong and she knows everything about cars, which is not unreasonable, but it's just a lot piled on. I like shit. But she's quite subtle at times with the way that she communicates with people and... She's not boy. She's not big movements or big. She just she's she is smoothing out her personality. It's just that they've trapped her in all these external things that are like, oh, can you please not put her in a skirt that shows almost her vagina? Because she's an intelligent, knowledgeable about what she does and other things, and she's obviously very clever about this whole plan, and and she's. You know, she cares about her niece and all that stuff, but why do we have to then pile on this other thing that makes her like, ugh, you know? Yeah, well, that's what a character is, though. It, it, she would be like that. I know what I'm saying, though, that's what this tad takes away from right. her being good at it. Yeah. She, um, what well, I, one of the skills in this movie that she did a lot was do things with those nails. Oh, my God, yeah. I was impressed with that. She's got really long, painted, you know, expertly manicured nails. (laughs) And then she has to do things like type on keypads to get in, like, heisty-type situations. And you see that she types without using the nails at all. I was like, wow. Oh, no, you just use the pad of your finger, but you have to sometimes bend your wrist back so far. Yeah, because the nail might touch. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I was pretty impressed by the skill of the nail usage. Uh, But I really like her, and uh, if you want to see... A good film, American Honey, and she's great in it. Um, Katie Holmes turns up here as Bobby Joe Chapman. Um, Katie Holmes, I when I saw her come to the door, I was like, wow, I haven't seen Katie Holmes for the longest time. Mm-hmm. 
bold. She don't really. Eh. She's right though. She fits that part that particular type of character that they're trying to portray. The wife who couldn't cope with him being the humble, didn't care about money, obviously, at the time. You know, just sort of an unreliable from what she, the things that she says. She couldn't cope with that. So then she hooks up with this guy who's got a big house, runs a dealership, Mr. Jock, Mr. You know, loves Fast and the Furious and all that shit. And she's dressed in the way, and she's drinking wine in the middle of the day when he comes to pick her up. You know, like all that fits and she does it right. She's not like super, again, her portrayal of the person is better than their makeup and clothes and the trappings that they've put her in. And she's not actually in it a ton, to be honest. Mm -mm. I mean, she's... It's enough to understand the dynamic of their marriage. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, and the dynamic of how she treats a child. Like, she tells her that she can't eat. Oh my god. fat. Mm. And nobody loves a fat person. No, nobody loves a fat person. Well, let's just tell everybody, I am fat. And do you love me? Yes. Do you love me because I'm fat? Yes. (laughs) Do you I like, love me I like to wear Channing Tatum. Is it like a thing? No. It's what? like, oh, but you know what? Women tell that to their children a lot. I like a when lot. she said it and Channing Tatum looked at her and went, What the f- what are you like, talking about? What are you about? saying to a child yeah. there? Like, <laughs> like I'm, the, I'm the one who's like. But it's very common, unfortunately. That is a very common thing for some moms to say to their kids. Uh, Daniel Craig plays Joe Bang. He was my favorite thing in this movie. <laughs> So it's Daniel Craig. He's not being James Bond. He's being, like, like weird. <laughs> it's very weird. It's very undescript, which is why I wasn't that impressed. No, it's just a tattoo kind of criminal guy who's got bleach blonde hair. But it was your favorite thing. Yeah, I just really enjoyed his performance. Like, I thought it was, it was quite funny in parts. And um, I liked how, like... This guy is called Joe Bang for a reason. He's, like, good with explosives. So if you need an explosives guy, he's the guy. He's, like, a science criminal. And um, he's just got some really funny moments, I thought. You know, the moment with the with the gummy bears and the... Yeah. Just the way he talks to people and the way he is. I felt like is. he was really forced and didn't come off very good to me. Yeah, so I'm the opposite. He was totally my favorite thing. Uh, aside from Channing Tatum, um, I just liked the... It was kind of a weird performance. Like, it wasn't anything like I'd seen him do before. But it wasn't, like, wacky in the way that you're, like, intrigued, like Trevor from GTA. And it wasn't, like, really hardcore in the way that you felt threatened by him or that he was, like, faking it. No. Um, like, like most putting on this, a facade. But it was just really blah. Like, like most of this movie, it was pretty low-key. Yeah. But it was kind of standout for the rest of the low-key stuff. Like, he, he was a bit animated and a bit he had some you know him eating his little eggs and his uh his fake salt and he wasn't stupid he was actually really intelligent like at first when you see him you're like oh he's just a thug right like some thug criminal but no he's actually clever like, well you know he's like walt like i said from uh yeah he's got the clever science to use for his crimes so no i liked him um now i will say what i didn't like and this was seth MacFarlane. As Max Chilblay. Ugh. Awful. Very awful. Really bad. Like a British accent. He was being a British man. He was yeah. a NASCAR man. Like an asshole. It was very weird. And it was really obvious. Like, it's one of those performances. It's one of those things. When he walked into the bar and I said, is that Seth MacFarlane? Because he's got this shitty moustache on. And, <laughs> and he went, oh yeah, it is. And I was like, 
it really stands out. Like, there's Seth MacFarlane. We need, you know, we're going to have this guy in there, like, to sell some more tickets or something. That's how it felt. He was doing yeah. like a, like everybody else, I don't feel was doing like a comedic thing, and he was just doing like I'm in a I'm in a Seth MacFarlane movie. Look at this outrageous character I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. It totally felt out of place. It was unnecessary. He could have been way more restrained, like everybody else was. It just stuck out. Seemed like he came from some other movie and just drifted through it. I agree. So I didn't like it. Uh, and then another person who drifts in and out of the movie is Hilary Swank. The special agent Sarah Grayson, again, she's Hilary Swank. We know she's a great actress, but in this, I thought she... It was a horrible accent, first off. And secondly, <coughs> she wasn't. there wasn't much to it. Mm-mm. It was... It was another, like Seth MacFarlane, here's another famous person. And then they don't amount to much. And because they are who they are, the director, the writer, and everybody on the set, and because of the circumstances of this movie, they didn't really have to answer to anyone, their standard drops because they're like, holy shit, we have Hilary Swank and we think she's awesome. And in that moment, they might look at it and go, that's awesome. But playing it back or listening to someone like me say, are you kidding me? She was literally as if someone had stuffed a uh, pole to up against her back and stapled her to it. And her like, well, what have we got here? Yeah. And then she's like super determined. It was awful. And everyone's going against her. When you mentioned Clint It's Eastwood like, here's the, here's the character that brought me mind was Johnny Depp in The Seal or whatever the hell it was called. The what? You know. The Seal? Kevin Smith's movie. About the seal, the guy turning into a seal. Oh, yes. Johnny Depp in that one was just this horrible... That was um, Tusk. Tusk, yeah. And she wasn't, like, super charactered up, but it was enough to be like, what? It was a walrus, not a seal. Yeah, correct. (laughs) Seal? (laughs) Um, Well, it just was like, what? Yeah, uh... If there's any, the bad part about this movie is Seth MacFarlane and Hilary Swank. They're both not needed. I didn't think they didn't need to have big those big names there. Seth MacFarlane should stick to his comedy thing. It really <laughs> doesn't fit in a movie that's not fully a comedy. He just seems like he came from um, Talladega Nights and just walked through. Yeah, it like, does. That's what it felt like. So, no, 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 no. Directed by Steven Soderbergh. We all know him. He's been directing for many years. Ocean's series Traffic, which is an excellent film, you should see. Erin Brockovich. Many others. Magic Mike. Um, what do you think of him, as a, of him as a director? I think he's too lenient when it comes to the performances to decide what actually fits with the what we're looking at. And that somewhere along the line, something goes missing. Either he's trusting each individual group, like the set people, the costume people, the makeup people, designers, to do a thing and then just lets it go. And then he folk, I don't know, I, I feel like he's not directing it all and putting it together as like a cohesive, committed thing. I know he's a very uh, frugal director. <laughs> like he likes I could to, explain it. He likes to uh, do kind of like Ridley Scott a little bit. Do one, two takes, and then be yeah. move on, like, and get a movie made very quickly. He's that kind of guy. Can kind of tell that sometimes when sometimes. you watch his movies. Some things seem like they could have been better, but ah, eh, forget it. We'll just move on, you know. Yeah. 
Definitely. But um, I did like how this was put together. It, it wasn't really the directing. It was more the editing. I think it really flowed. Like, it felt... Like, it's a two-hour-long movie. It didn't feel like a two-hour-long movie. It just, like, breezed by for me. Like, I was like, oh, really? We're at the end already? Um, so, I think that's good editing. And, you know... There... Was he the editor? Um, <laughs> I don't know if you can credit him with that, unless yeah, he has the final, final say, but... Uh, and talking about deleted scenes, weirdly, um, the Blu-ray has one extra, and it includes two deleted scenes... Both of them are nothing. They don't... And if they're the only ones he cut out, he was frugal, right? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> he really only just got the footage he needed. So, uh, yeah, there are actually no extras, which is unfortunate. I'm not sure why. Maybe that's him being frugal again. It costs X amount of money to make some extra stuff, so we won't bother. But um, in conclusion, on the Blu-ray of uh, Logan Lucky... I keep wanting to say Lucky Logan. <laughs> Logan Lucky... Um, I like heist movies, so I would recommend it if you like heist movies. Um, but like I say, it's a very low-key movie. It's not full of action. It's not full of laughs. It's right in the middle there. And it's not bad either, so it's a weird one. What do you think? Um, I agree, right in the middle. Yeah. Very average. Like an average entertaining movie, yep. but average. I mean, you won't be, it wouldn't, it's not Wind River that I feel like (laughs) is elevated above, uh, you know, it goes up. Because a movie like that commits to being a specific type of movie and you can feel that a director has his or her vision of it all combined. Whereas other directors, you see bits and pieces of different ideas kind of all crammed together. All right, so um, conclusion. I think I would recommend it to a heist fan. Um, and if you, you know. But like I say, it's a low-key movie. Don't go in expecting Fast and the Furious-style action <laughs> or anything like that, because that's not what it is. Um, you do get to see a car crash through a window, though, at one point. Slowly. It's about as extra. Very, as, very slowly. Yeah, that's about <laughs> as uh, exciting as the action. I gets. liked it, though. It was funny. <laughs> So uh, thanks to Universal for the Blu-ray. If you want to win a contest, we've got two new contests this week. You can win a copy of Home Again, which is the new Reese Witherspoon movie. Um, it's by Nancy Myers, who did The Intern. You'll be able to win a copy of that on Blu-ray. Just enter the simple contest, aschoolie.com, click on the word contest. And the other one is the HBO show The Deuce, starring James Franco, which is about the porn industry in the 1970s in New York. Um... You can win the whole first season of that. I've got a, I've got two digital copy codes to give away, so you can just watch it instantly, and we don't even have to mail you one. So you can win the first season of The Deuce. Just go to basically.com contest and enter the really simple question. You might win. Um, I said to you this week, I this week I had to some our other contest had closed, and I had to email the people who'd won. And I just really like emailing people and telling them they've won something. Ah. Because they're always excited. They always reply back and say, wow, I've never won anything. It's amazing how many people have never won anything. Yeah, where are all these winners ending up? Yeah. Hmm. So, um, yeah, go and enter and win. Movie recommendations this week. I am going on the theme of Logan Lucky. And I'm going with Fargo. Because, like I say, there were a lot of similarities to me to the TV show Fargo. Just the way it kind of played out. And the characters are slightly over the top. 
And my other one, I was looking through Steven Soderbergh movies and I wasn't going with the obvious ones. I went with a movie called Contagion that he did with uh, Matt Damon. And um, that is a quite a tense... Oh, um, yeah. About, it's about the CDC and uh, a, something starts spreading. I won't spoil it. It's but, not fully zombied up, but you know. No, but it's a really cool... It was okay nonetheless. Yeah, really cool movie. Uh, I'm probably not seen by many people. I don't believe it was that big a hit. So yours are? Mine are... Let me get over to it. Triple Nine, which I gave an 8.3 when we watched it. Quite a good And I'd movie. forgotten about it, but it's really, it's really intense. It's really committed to being what it is. It's, what, um, it's also I, a heist movie. What I remember about it, and I will never forget it, is when the red canister goes off inside the car. <laughs> yeah. You know the yep. the die at the bank. Yeah, yep. yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's a it's a it's a ugh, you know, it's intense. It is. It's a drama, violent, you know. And my other one's sort of on the other end of the spectrum of heists, which is office space. Because we remember there is a heist in there. There is. Yes. And office space is totally opposite of all of these, and I love it. I need to watch it again. So, uh, games and A. Scully stuff, um, there's a bit of a story to the uh, games I've been playing this week. So, on Black Friday, there were a lot of deals going on. Obviously, that's how Black Friday works. So, I was looking. What I was always wanted was a virtual reality headset. <laughs> but when they, you know, they were always $799 or $1,000 at first. And I was never going to pay that much for one. So... Um, about two weeks ago, Microsoft released a whole like slew of virtual reality headsets. What Microsoft did was they came up with a specification for these new headsets, and then they, they said to all the different manufacturers, which include Dell, Lenovo, uh, HP, Samsung, they said to them, you make these Windows headsets and you make them however you want, but stick, stick to these specs so they're all kind of the same hardware. So uh, they came out a couple of weeks ago, and on the Black Friday sale on the Microsoft Store, the Lenovo version of this, which is called the Lenovo Explorer headset, was $299 with the motion controllers and the headset in a box, which is way cheaper than any virtual reality headset out there. And actually, the latest <coughs> one, it's got, it's got better specs than all the other ones. So I decided to jump in and get one. And uh, I've been playing virtual reality games most of the week. Even Sid Talk has taken a trip into virtual reality. I have. You have. Uh, what, can you give a first impression on your virtual reality experience? Well, without my glasses, it's a bit blurry, but the effect is still there to a big degree. And I would like to be immersed in something I care about being immersed in. I'm not. I'm not the person who reacts to everything like the other half of the people in this room, which there's only two of us, so you can do the math. But I'm not just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, because I'm just not that person. But if it was something that I'm doing, like watching you do that little cooking game, that oh, was um, pretty cool where you're actually like in a little kitchen and you have to grab and pick up and do like the, you know, multiple layers of things. I would like that, but just standing on top of a big tall building or standing next to an alien while it's cool for about two seconds, I'm pretty much over it really quickly. Yeah, but <clears throat> you know that two, the, the, I'm talking about like the dinosaur or the alien or standing mm -hmm. on top of a building. It is very convincing, right? It's more convincing than I... Um, see, I'm just not like you. I don't feel like I'm 
actually there and it's going to step on me or anything. But I've always told you that 3D doesn't shock and awe me. No, know? I think it, I, you know, I've seen, I've seen 3D before and, uh, we've all, all seen 3D movies and, you know, you wear those glasses. But because you're not wearing any glasses in this and it doesn't go any dimmer, it's all very bright. It's the best 3D I've ever seen as well. You know, like when things shoot out at you or, you know, go in your face. Yeah, but none of that impresses me. I just don't care. I'm not really, I'm just like, okay, okay, spitting at me. But I'm more interested in like, if I was interacting with it, like for real, or if I'm... This you was know. just a demo, but yeah. it was like, um, you know, welcome to virtual reality. Here are some cool things. It was just that. Yeah. It was uh, Oculus Dream Deck that comes with the Oculus Rift. You and know I'm not I mean? a stick in the mud. I just think, okay. And I know I'm standing in my office and I know I'm not going to fall off this cliff. But there are moments like at the house, the Microsoft house that they give you or whatever. Yeah. Because it's house. crispy clear. Now, that was really clear and, you know, they've made it all very sharp standing on the edge of that thing where the ocean's right there and the bird sounds and it's very that is very immersive yeah but again i'm not doing anything and so it doesn't really crank my crank so yeah um when you stand on the edge of something in in virtual reality like like you go up to the edge of that cliff for instance and look down your body has a reaction that it's really happening and they're, they're the moments where I was like, wow, I didn't expect it to be that immersive. And it really is. Um, my favorite things that I've done this week in virtual reality are going in an IMAX cinema and watching a, watching the film on the screen and it actually feeling giant. And you can see all the people in the cinema seats. And it really feels like you're in front of a giant screen, not like... I've watched lots of VR videos on YouTube. None of them can show you really what it is. But then I'd want to sit down and watch that movie, and it doesn't work that way. Well, you can. Well, I mean, you can sit in your chair in this room. And watch the movie on the IMAX screen. Yeah, totally. I know you can, but I'm not actually... There's not other people really there. You know what I mean? I'm not really... I'm not feeling like I'm there yet. Right. But this... uh, How that works, it's called big screen, is you can invite people into your theater... You can invite. You can invite. I think it was up to fifty people into your theater, and you can see all their avatars sat in the chairs. It's a very realistic depiction of like a big cinema, and even when you look behind you, you can see the light from the projector, and it like you know flickers over the people. And you can all sit and watch the same movie. One of you hosts it, and then you all go in there and watch a movie. So it is very, you know, immersive. I don't know if I would sit and watch a whole movie, but there again, I went in the Cliff House the other day and I was testing the Plex, our, you know, Plex media server on the big screen in there. And I sat and watched like maybe two thirds of Weird Science because they have it on my media (laughs) server. I don't know why I chose that one. I think it was the first one on the, on the list that I'd not seen, but, um, it's, you could totally sit and watch a movie and it's comfortable. Um, but the most amazing things I've seen really are, um, I have a like a music game called Audio Shield, and it uses your own music. And you uh, stand there, and you've got two shields, one in each hand, like a, a blue one and an orange one. And the music comes at you like notes, and you have to block them with the correct colored shields. And if you look at it on a flat screen, it looks like nothing, really. It looks like Guitar Hero or something. 
But when you're in that space and those things are flying at your face, it feels really, it's like nothing I've ever really experienced. It's one of the things about VR, I think you probably even agree, is how giant things feel. I disagree. I, you kept saying that and I would go in and be like, I just feel like I'm in the place where this is. Like I'm next to a cliff. I'm on the thing where the ocean is. I've been to the like, ocean. The dinosaur didn't feel really <clears throat> big compared to you. Like you get the feel of scale. Like, Sure, but then I just think, well, it's just a video kind of. And if I was sitting in front of the movie theater on a flat screen, I would have the same scale. Yeah. So I'm well, not. I'm not like. I just. I don't have that reaction. That's no, what it doesn't. It, to me, uh, watching like say you watch Jurassic Park on a big screen, the scale there doesn't. Or it doesn't. It's not as. It's not as real feeling. To you, yeah. Yeah, like like because I can turn around and look everywhere as well. It seems very like you're in it. Another thing that really freaked me out was uh, Project Cars, where. I've played lots of games where you race, obviously. And this one, you're literally sat in the driving seat. And when you look down, there's a virtual body that isn't your body. It's a weird feeling, like, to see another body when you look. It's also a weird feeling to not see a body when you look, because some games don't have a body. So when you look down, there is nothing. You can't see your own, anything. You can't see no legs. or. But when you really see that virtual body sat in the seat, it's um, it's a weird feeling. Like, you want to actually touch the legs... Of the of the virtual one. See again, you kept saying how weird your hands were and stuff. It just my brain doesn't. My brain's like that's my hand. There are lots of games. I don't, like I think maybe I'm skipping. I'm missing something in my brain because it doesn't rattle me as much now. The motion, I think, because it's blurrier for me, it gives me a bit of a oh oh after a couple of minutes, you know, because you have to move your head to be precisely in line with the thing you want to look at, which is not how life works. I can look out the corner of my eye and see things. But in this, you have to move your whole head to center the thing, at least for my blurry eyes. Otherwise, it's all blurry. So I'm kind of like, you know, but I enjoy the, you put it on, you, you actually are, you cannot see anything else. There's no light coming out around under your nose or up on your forehead. And when I'm standing there and you're like to my left, a little behind me, like you said, when that person talks and you turn your head and, and all you see is a cliff or yeah. like a, a, you know, a room that's empty, that I kind of enjoy. And if somebody touches you when you're in VR, <laughs> so say I'm stood in the cliff house and I'm just walking around the house and uh, you come in and touch my arm, it is the weirdest, it, it's almost a jump scare because you don't, because there's nothing. You're In your world, VR, where you are, there is nobody over there. So why is something <laughs> touching you? It is really weird. But see, my brain is is firmly rooted in the fact that I'm just standing in my office. I think I, I think there's a, there's that. Obviously, I don't forget that. <laughs> but there are moments in VR which I've had this week. I was playing a game called Arizona Sunshine where uh, zombies were coming at me, and you shoot the zombies, and I'd run out of ammo, and the zombies started coming up on me, and I felt the sensation of somebody in my space, like. It felt like, oh, God, no. And you can't get that from a normal video game at all. There's no immersion like that. True. You know? When you play a game on a flat screen, it's very almost detached. Yes, you're controlling Lara Croft and she's running around and stuff. 
but you're very aware you're sat there with a controller and there's the screen. In VR, it's it's I'm very... going to speak for all the people who aren't as bigly impressed and maybe sitting there thinking, am I supposed to be more impressed? I'll tell you why. We have really good imaginations. Really good. So if you tell me a story or read me a story or show it to me on a flat screen, I can be there. My my brain can take me there already. And then being in it with the VR or with a 3D movie or whatever, it's sort of like a fake version of what I can do with my mind. Right. And so if you do the VR and you're, everyone around you is like, oh my god, oh my god. And in your brain, you're like, uh, okay, this is cool. Am I supposed to? What's the big deal? Don't feel bad. It's just that your brain doesn't work like everybody else's, which is a good thing. Yeah, but it is. There's, it's very. I'm super impressed by it. There's now. I've only really played demo-y type things and not like a full game experience yet. Uh, well, I played a bit of racing. I raced around the Nurburgring, the whole the whole thing, and it just feels like is there's really no experience like it. I would say, video gaming, just normal video gaming, is nothing like VR. And if you go on. You know, I, I I always thought, like, oh, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? And you go and watch YouTube videos of VR games and you look at them and you think, well, that's not even that impressive. Like, like all the other games I play, like Destiny, look better than that. Yeah. It's not really how good they look. No, your brain can fill in the gaps for sure, except for the blurriness. Then that's my eyeballs. That's not the fault of the VR. Yeah, exactly. Because um, it was blurry for me uh, when I didn't wear my glasses. Because at first I didn't wear my glasses, and I was like, oh yeah, it's kind of blurry. Then when I put my glasses on, I was like, oh no, it's not blurry at all, I can read everything. So, you know, that's down to your eyes, and you're too old, and um, <laughs> your eyes are... What are you saying? I just turned 50. Don't you say you need, you need trifocals? I'm supposed to have trifocals, but instead I wear $7 reading Yeah, glasses. so, like, your eyes <laughs> are kind of... Shitty? All, all things, right? Yeah. Not very good at bad distance. Bad up close, not very good bad in front. the middle, bad yeah. far away. So but, yeah. th- that's probably the worst case scenario for something like this, where you're strapping some screens to your head. Um, I have terrible eyesight at a distance, but closer up, it's better. So I think that might be where I yeah, got definitely. lucky. You know? um, I still need to wear my glasses, don't get me wrong, even though what, how, how far are the screens away from your eyes? Probably not very far, are they? An They're inch. Like, yeah, an inch yeah. away from your eyes. But I mean... I still need my glasses to read text, but I can actually use it without glasses. It's just when I have to read something, I, I need to... If it was just a game where I have to shoot some stuff, it would. I don't think I'd need my glasses. But um, yeah, there's some impressive stuff in there. There's lots of demos that you can get. They're mostly free if you go to Steam. Uh, what's cool about the Windows Mixed Reality platform is it actually works with all the Windows um, virtual reality games, which you can get on the Windows Store. It also is fully compatible with Steam VR. So if you buy your games through Steam, they all work. And it's also compatible with the Oculus Rift software. So all the VR headsets work with it. So there isn't a game out there that doesn't work. Aside from we had an issue with one game that was an Oculus Rift exclusive, that the buttons weren't mapped properly on our controller. So the Windows controller is slightly different to the others. It actually has analog sticks, like a real, uh, like a Xbox controller, as well as all the motion stuff. So we had a game where we didn't have one of the buttons to, we couldn't continue. 
the one with the robots. Remember, it was mm-hmm. really cool as well. Wasn't it was it? very cool. <laughs> like you were ripping robots. See, apart. that was one where I was like, oh, because I was standing amongst a bunch of robots, and one of them stood right in front of me, and then turned his head and looked down at me and said, oh, excuse me, and then stepped to the side, and it was in that personal space yeah. where I leaned back. And because he was up close and I looked straight at him, he was all crispy clear. And then he moved to my left. And so my brain fills in the, oh, there's somebody standing there. And then whenever somebody flicked a switch and they all turned against the humans, they all turned towards me and they're right right (laughs) close to me. Now that was effective because it was clear. I was a little bit surrounded and I already had the, I, I was convinced I'm standing amongst them. So that was cool. Yeah, um, and the, uh, another cool one was there's a there's a demo in the Oculus Store. Um, I think it's what's I don't actually remember what it's called, but you stood in this like camper van and there's this little robot on the table and you put like a cassette into him and then he you almost love like, that. Yeah, it's almost like um, he's a bit like Wally maybe, or he's a bit like the black hole if you remember that film from the eighties, and he, he he jumps up and he. Then he starts, he comes at you and he gives you like floppy disks and you put them in this, in this, um, 3D printer and right in front of your eyes, uh, objects start appearing, you know, and at first it's like some butterflies and they're flying around in front of you and you're catching them on your fingers. And then he eventually prints out a 3D gun and he puts targets up in the room and you shoot the targets. It's just a really cool demo of how, you know, it's just a demo. Like it, it lasts, what, five minutes maybe? But it's, you see this, it's because it's all in 3D and it's not just like you're watching a video game. It's like you're stood in that actual space and the robot's coming at you. And when he comes right up in, in your face, it's, he's really there. He looks really good. It's not bad graphics or anything. Like, it doesn't feel like, oh, this is just the beginning of it. The graphics are really good already. You know, they're convincing. Um, the other one, Job Simulator, was really fun. You, yeah, that was um, cute. That one's like, um, I was a chef in a restaurant, but the twist on it is, this is called Job Simulator, the 2050 archives. So like the world has ended apparently, our world as we know it, and these robots who have took, taken over the earth, they're showing other robots what the earth used to be like with humans on it. So it's like a weird skewed view of like, oh, here was a job, here is a job um, a person working in food service and it's their version of what they thought food service was like so it's know. cute it's very cute yeah and it that feels really cool because you just stood in one spot it's a very small area and you've got a cooker in front of you and you've got a fridge to the side of you and then you to the right you've got the the uh, window where you put the food in and then the, the waiters take it out to the restaurant and behind you you've got some other stuff and you don't have to walk around. You just stand in the one spot. And very cleverly, the sink in front of you actually transforms into different things via a switch. So the sink goes down into the floor and then comes back up as a toaster or, or again, as a microwave or whatever. It's very compact. So they've got the whole <laughs> thing and you really don't have to move. You just stand there. But, I mean, you have to you have to kind of duck down. You have to... Look underneath things. You have to open the fridge doors by grabbing them and opening them. It all feels really natural because the controllers that you get here are, um, you know, they're one like ones. Well, they're weird, aren't they? They're like circles, like uh, with lights on them. The tracking on them is like 
really perfect. Like, you would be hard-pressed to even see any delay. Inside the game, you know, you see the wands, and it's exactly what they're doing in real life. You know, the the movement's one-to-one. It's like 90 frames per second. So your brain doesn't ever think, oh, there's some delay there when I'm moving my hands. It's actually your hands moving in real time. So another impressive thing on VR. So... I'll keep working with it, playing some more stuff, trying some more stuff. Google Earth. So Google Earth uh, was the thing that we didn't talk about. Um, you never actually went inside the VR for the Google Earth? Nope. Um, but it is pretty amazing. You fly above the world. You can zoom right out and look at the planet from a, from space. But to be fair, all you're doing is the exact same thing you do on a flat screen. For you're- Look, there's no more interaction. There's no more different immersion other than you're just looking at a flat image and then when you do street view you can't even well you can't now i think you said but you can move forward just like you can on the screen there's super immersion though because everything's 360 degrees everything and when you're stood above like i said to you when we were looking for our house and we were flying over the neighborhood and i said like (laughs) because you stood up and looking down it feels like you're a giant just walking around the earth you know, and if you just look straight up in the air and push fly, you'll fly straight up in the air and look at it from above. The immersion was really good on that game. I thought um, it's not a game. Is it really? <laughs> you could, but like they've um, they've got scenarios built into it too, so you can watch like a solar eclipse from space. You can look at the Google headquarters really close up. You can go to the Hollywood sign. You know, there's a lot of different stuff in there, um, but. Is there anything else we tried? Uh, what did you try? Just those tests. The Cliff House, and the being in the house, yeah. <clears throat> oh, you that tried Hollow Tour a little bit? A little bit, but again, because the video was a little bit kind of dodgy, it didn't really do that much for me. That was like a uh, guided tour, like it takes you to a place and a lady talks you through it, and it does some fancy stuff. yeah. Uh, you know, like shows you. Oh, but the video of tour, the original video, was kind of like I was looking at 1985. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I was, but it looked kind of like okay. Yeah. So there are many things. A lot of it's free. A lot of it costs money. I'll talk more about it in the weeks to come. But um, that is our my first my first impressions is it's better than I thought it would be. I agree. And uh, it, there are some very impressive moments still, even a few days later after I've been in there. I'm still, I was in my cliff house earlier today, like making a garden. Uh, yeah. Like putting plants and putting, you know. And yeah, just, if you put The Sims 5 in there, I'm all over it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and that, you know, just me standing in that Microsoft house and making a garden. And I had a window open with my music playing. And uh, over there was like my Skype. And you made a call, a video call to me in Skype while I was inside VR. And there you were stood in front of me. There's some amazing things. And it's like, you think about it and you go, holy shit, this is like, this is like, you know, when I was a kid and I thought about the future, this is it really. Or this is more than that. I never even thought of that. True. And, you know, it's, you stood in your own room and via software and a thing mounted to your head you can have many different experiences you can go on a roller coaster all these things feel kind of virtually real <laughs> but anyway this headset is 299 dollars it isn't anymore uh, 
because that Black Friday deal has gone. But I think it's $399 at the moment. So if you're in the market for a VR headset for Christmas, I would recommend this one. It's very comfortable. you got to say, right, it's, it doesn't feel heavy on your head. In fact... No, it feels fine. You don't really feel it. It kind of... The weight is... It's not like a pair of goggles. It's like the weight is on the top of your head, like on your forehead. So the actual... It doesn't feel like anything. And if the best part about it is, and none of the other virtual headsets do this, is you can pop up the goggles at the front so you can see the real world. Like, because sometimes you might get in a tangle with the cable or... You don't know where you are. I, how many times have I said to you, I don't know where I am in this room now. Am I near my desk? Am I on the other side of the room? And you say, well, take it off and have a look. And then I go, holy crap, I'm like stood next to the printer. I thought I was on the other end of the room. Yeah. So you do lose kind of where you are. In There is a, um, in the virtual world, when you get, you map out your room when you set it up at the beginning, you walk around the room with the headset in your hand and it draws a line that is called the boundary. Now, when you're in the game or in anything, if you get close to that boundary, it pops up a white line and it kind of pulsates towards you to say, listen, if you go a little bit further that way, you're going to hit something. So using that system, you shouldn't really hit anything ever. But there have been moments, and the first moment that happened to me, I've not actually fell or anything, but I was in the cliff house and there was, I was looking to my right and there was a, like a breakfast, you know, what do you call that thing? <coughs> island. An island in the kitchen area. And I went to put my elbow on it because I thought, and, and for a second my mind was like, oh, <laughs> there's the thing. Just lean on that because you've been stood up. Like I've been stood up for ages, so I want to have a lean. And I almost leant on it and my brain went, oh, don't lean on that. It's not actually there. So that is... That is a weird brain trick because it's that convincing. You might put your elbow. I was kneeling down on the floor in the home theater in the virtual world. And I almost put my elbow on the on the edge of the chair to steady myself. That isn't going to work because there is nothing there. <laughs> so be careful with that because you really can fall over. So that's virtual reality. So Sid Talk, what is for dinner? <clears throat> Tonight will be... Curried vegetables, some fried potato, and a veggie burger, all either frozen or packaged in some way that I can just throw together. I know <laughs> what you can have for your uh, dinner. Um, you can Nyquil. Have a, yeah, Nyquil. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. I'll have some of that too, but that'll be my dessert. You could use that on top of the food. Just I'll tell you what, it worked last night because I drank some. Thought I'd, I'll lay on the couch for a minute and watch something and then I'll go to bed and I won't cough. And the next thing I know, I woke up, it was like 8 o'clock this morning. And I said, hey, she, you know. Yeah, he has a lovely habit of, if I'm sleeping on the couch, waking me up on the couch to, I don't know, think I need to go to bed. Any other wives experience this out there? Or husbands? You, you know? Do. It doesn't make any sense. I just, if I, if I lay on the couch all night, <laughs> it would be a disaster. I wouldn't right, be. and how many times have I told you that I'm not you? And it doesn't bother me at all. I'd sleep on the couch every night. Nah. <sighs> Yeah, I would. I love the couch. I always love sleeping on couches. I sleep better on couches. There's this, like, comfort. You're, like, tucked into the surround, and we've got a recliner in the end, and I'm 100% comfortable. So, yeah, you just keep projecting after how many years? 17? So let's just put this to rest. You're if I'm projecting. asleep on the couch, you don't need to wake me up to get me off the couch, unless you need the couch. So, there. Everyone heard it. 
Nope. Cut that out. <laughs> All right. So um, what is your advice? <clears throat> Whatever you're... Learn a new thing. Or if you know an old thing that you already know how to do, like work on cars or cook or fix bikes or whatever it is. Just be really good at it. Make an effort to not just know what you know, because there's always more. And if you're really good at that thing, it actually enhances your life, not just because other people then appreciate. Well, it depends on how you present your skills and the use of your skills to people, but... Being really good at a thing, it's like a never-ending source of knowledge that you can be absorbing in the world. Like, it never ends. If you say, I just want to bake cookies really well, ugh, there is no end to how good you can make a million different kinds of cookies. Just keep on it. Like, keep doing it. Get better at it. If you say, I only like to work on, you know, 1960 Chevy cars, well, I'm sure there's an endless array of information about every single part on every single car controversial things and which one works the best and hen made in this factory versus that factory does this and does that. I mean, just be good at a thing because I don't, I still have met people, different people. And you say, so what do you do for like, you know, whatever entertainment? Oh, sit and watch TV. Oh, do you have a favorite? No, not really. <laughs> do you do any, like, do you exercise or go outside? No. Not really. Do you garden? No. Do you watch movies? No. Video games? I mean, I, I have this endless list. I just think I'm going to find something. And I've even had somebody comment recently because I made some cookies for my party and you know, did my cakes and learned how to make flowers for the cakes and stuff. And this person said, seriously, all I want to do is just sit on my ass. I don't understand. Why would you do all this? And I was just like... Right. Yeah. I don't understand that either. And they were miserable about it. It wasn't like they were really proud of it or excited to just want to sit on their ass all the time. It's like they were, and there's nothing, you know, wrong with this person, <clears throat> physically wrong or ill or anything. It's just they have no confidence. They even said, oh, I would screw it up. I'd never be able to do that. I'd screw it all up. So do I all the time. Every fucking day I screw up something, but I don't care. Like, I don't, I'm not doing brain surgery. I'm not a soldier. I'm not a teacher. I don't have someone's life or mind in my hands, right? So if I'm baking cookies and I screw up a dozen in the whole of the world, in the universe, it's really not that big a deal. I'll try it again and I'll try it again. So I don't get this mentality of like, I'm just fine the way I am and I only know what I need to know and then someday I'll die. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever you do, if you enjoy it or get any pleasure out of it, just be really good at it. All right, so um, I want to remind you about our no. I want to remind you about our website, my website, aschoolie.com. That's it. I'll remind you about that. <laughs> yeah. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the uh, Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store. Go to aschoolie.com. Click on the word podcast. You can subscribe via RSS there. You can also ask your Amazon Echo. You can say a word. I won't say it, so it doesn't trigger yours. <laughs> Listen to the After the Show movie podcast on TuneIn, and that will play you the latest episode. You can also email feedback at me, aschoolyatasechoolie.com. Don't email Sid Talk. And I would say, um, stay classy, Mr. Joe Bang, played by Daniel Craig. Mm. Next up, we're going to be seeing him as James Bond again, so he'll be back to normal. 
And I'm gonna say, <coughs> think for yourself or someone will do it for you. Virtually. <laughs>